Welcome to the Alpha Dude Podcast with Michael Pulser. What would it be like if you knew that you were unstoppable and you could live life on your terms? Better yet, how good would it feel knowing that on your deathbed, you had fulfilled all your potential and more? Life on Earth has a beginning and an end. It's what you do in the middle that counts. Let's look at how to make that part even better. One of the other major aspects of the Alpha Dude system in personal upgrade is focusing on body language. We look at this in terms of how you display your body language and also picking up on how other people display theirs. Now this is so important because this demonstrates largely what's happening on the unconscious and conscious level of the person that you're talking to. In other words, it lets you see deep inside that person and realize what they are expressing through the way that they're acting. In this system, we call this altitude, basically referencing to the heights of how things are, how you stand, how you present yourself. This part shows how you feel through the way that you act and by seeing how other people act, you can see how they feel. So it's a total giveaway that we all work on constantly, but by giving it that applied knowledge, that time to focus on, you can get so much out of it. And it all comes down to the concept. And that's a concept of value, high value and low value. Do you value yourself? Does the other person value themselves? And how do they display it through the way that they communicate non-verbally? Now there's so much to this. There's some tips that we'll go through. There's anything from the basic open to close body language that you're all aware of and, and other tips. But mainly watch out for the principle-based approach. And that is that Make sure you understand that what you see is actually just a reflection of what's inside that person. And again, within the system, it's synergistic. You have the four A's, you can unpack it. You have the two dimensions, the other pillars, and you put it together, and it's just an amazing process where you can get so much from it. But for today's episode, we're going to focus on the body language component. In terms of body language, when you see somebody and you've worked out that this person is displaying perhaps low value signals, stuff that you'd already know. Somebody's maybe just got that closed body language, hunched over, reserved, whatever it is. There are different approaches to take compared to somebody who has that high value. So for example, just basically, if someone does have that low value, what would you do? Think about it. If you want to build rapport, then you'd work at building the rapport. You'd, you'd work at maybe some NLP matching and mirroring techniques. Uh, you might reassure, you might go into their world, bring your power frame with you, showing that you can empathize. And then as you bring them out of it, that you then increase their value. Now, if somebody already has that high value going, then it's much easier. All you have to do is bring in that genuine high value state that you already have. You build on that rapport, and you bring in a sense of camaraderie where you're actually working towards the same objective. And that's where deep friendships and bonds happen. Now, let's look exactly how to read people's minds through reading their body language. Just a few tips. If you've ever spoken to somebody, look at their feet. Now, don't focus at their feet for the conversation because that will demonstrate low value. But if you look at, your, look at their feet just for a split second, you can see which direction their feet are facing. And if their feet are facing a different direction towards you, particularly if their body is turned away from you, 
the chances are they probably want to be in that direction, i.e. they want to be away from you or out of the room or they have something else going on. Picking up these nonverbal cues are so important because as soon as you pick up that, it might not be the case that the person finds your interaction boring, but they just have something that they need to do. Perhaps they're late for an appointment or something. Picking up on this makes you socially savvy. And from this, you can introduce things like false time constraints where you can say, hey, look, I'm really busy. I bet you're busy and you're going to go do something soon. But just before you go, you, you, you let them know your message. Another thing is that when we're in groups, often we look at who's talking the most. Now, the fact is these people are often approval-seeking people, and people often don't respect these people so much. Now, again, for better or worse, this is not to say this is the way sh things should be done. It's just saying the way things often are. So instead of falling into the pattern that we all do and, and look at who's talking the most, focus in on one other aspect. Look at who most people are talking to in the group. And you can work that out just by looking at whoever's talking, where their focus goes. And the fact is, if you're in the military, if you're in a group, if you're in anything, usually the person with the highest value or the highest status or the, the leader in the position is going to get most of the attention. And this person is the leader. And this, in terms of influence and other things, may be something useful to know, depending on your interactions. Another one, eye contact. Now there is way too much information about eye contact and we've talked about this in previous podcasts so I won't go through it in depth but I will say two things. The first thing is that there's essentially only three ways to do eye contact. There's too much the stalker eye contact where you're just not breaking the eye contact because you want to not break the rules of nonverbal communication and this is going to work against you. Too much makes you look nervous, makes you look like a stalker, and you need to stop it. Too little of it, on the other hand, shows also that you're nervous and it communicates to the other person, at least at a subconscious level, that you're actually not interested in what they're talking about. Finally, if you also have these weird traits to do with eye contact, things like blinking slowly or closing your eyes when you talk. It shows that you've got a, such a degree of self-importance that you're kind of blocking out the other person altogether. And that kind of puts into the category of having too little eye contact because you might not necessarily be looking away, but you're kind of not looking at the person either. So generally, the rule of thumb is that when the person is talking to you, then you should be looking at them most of the time. And when you're talking to the other person, also, you should be looking at them most of the time, but you can always look away just to form a thought or just to pull the tension, but you can do this artfully. So instead of just talking and then looking to the side because the pressure's built up too much and look back, use the pressure instead. So you're building up, you're telling the story, you're describing how things go, and then you look away for a split second and look back as you make the point. These breaks in eye contact are things that can be developed. Now, honestly, as far as hacks and this sort of thing is concerned, you can try these messages out. You can do the takeaways, but the thing is, we all grow at incremental rates. So that means that if you are working towards something, just realize that you have to change step by step. 
just trying these things out and finding that you make those incremental improvements will have compound effects. At the start, we talked about the open and closed body language. Now, you've all at least seen an article on Google or, or read the book and it talks if you cross your arms and you're closed off, if you've got open body language, it means you're more open to being approached, whatever it is. The fact is that this goes even deeper and it goes to, with obstacles as well. So, for example, if you're in situations, you might get a sense that the other person is either a little bit shy and reserved or they're more open and friendly, but you can't really put your finger on it because they don't have these classic tells that they have in the books. So just look around and take into effect everything that's going on. Sometimes it's as easy as noticing just a little bit of furniture. Is this person kind of hiding behind their table? Or have they got the table right behind them? They're sitting on their table, for example. The way that they interact with their environment will tell you volumes about how they feel. And not only that, looking at their language, their language patterns, although this is based on body language, also opens up so much about what this person is about. The narcissist at the extreme end is that know-it-all and you can pick up based on the words that they say and the words that they say is again an expression of what's going inside their heads. And then you've got the, the old school hippies that just go out there, they overshare everything, they're absolutely open. The extreme openness, it just it's a tell as well that they just don't have anything to hide back on. So the, these are all factors that you can look into. And although this is primarily on body language, it has to go without saying that words do go by the same principles. And as I mentioned, it's about realizing that what the message is, is their expression, either verbally or non-verbally from their thoughts. Now, how they are caught are so important. So you have to watch out for it. It's kind of like in CBT where they have thought catching exercises. They'll get their client to sit down and say, try and think about the thoughts that are going in your head. And the fact is most of us just act on the feelings, but when we can catch the thoughts, we have the ability to stop, analyze, and realize, well, of course we're going to respond maladaptively if we have these thoughts that are not going to be working for us. Now, if you've seen the Unabomber on Netflix, it is an amazing example of how words can be used. And part of the whole premise of that series is just being able to catch somebody just by finding a slight change in the way that they express themselves. And that was a major tell in the way they caught the Unabomber. And it looked at the types of slang that the Unabomber had. It looked at the, the accents when it came to actually interviewing them, it looked at the words themselves, it looked at if they're positive or negative expressions, even if they're outdated expressions. All of these tells show the individualness of the person, and that's how they caught him. But in terms of reading people's minds, looking at body language, looking at the verbal language of people, it can develop the background story of who you're with. Now, without having stereotypes, it can also help you to relate to somebody much better. So what does this mean? Essentially, if you've got a profiling background check based on everything that we've talked about so far, and you say, well, this person is from 
a small country town, he's got this sort of interest, he's had these sort of experiences, then suddenly you have bridges to build and you can rely on that in order to reach out to the other person and develop that closer bond. And as I said at the start, it's all about respecting the other person's frame, looking at the context and finding out what their unconscious and conscious message is, mixing it together and understanding it through the way they, they express it. So that's probably the biggest takeaway as far as reading minds and body language is concerned. So in summary, all of this means the following. Number one, adjust the way that you interact with other people based on the cues that they give you. Remembering that these cues are simply the way that they're expressing what's going on in their mind. And people can only do this through a few ways and means. The four A's of the Alpha Dude system are probably the biggest tells that you'll ever get. And the focus from this one is looking at the altitude or the body language component. But the verbal component is massive as well. Number two, imagine that the person is articulating the message and you have to adjust accordingly. Now, when I say articulating the message, I mean both verbally and non-verbally. So you're looking at the whole picture. So if there's incongruencies, you look into that a little bit and you try and find out, is this person incongruent because they're not sure of themselves or is it something else? An example of this would be if you're talking to somebody, their body's facing away, they're feeted to the door, they're looking at you over their shoulder, the person is saying, I want to go. So when you see this, act as if they actually just said to you, I want to go, I have to go out of this room. You take these messages so seriously because as they always say, it expresses about two-thirds of communication through the non-verbal body language. Once you really start to master this, you will start to read minds and you will start to be able to express yourself way better and life will be amazing. Really, once you have this body language component and it's ingrained at the unconscious level, it will be amazing. Now, this week we don't have a coach on board, but we, I was approached by an author, him and his daughter write books. And some of you have reached out to me and talked to me about my book and have asked about writing. And rather than do a whole episode on being an author, I thought I'd bring these guys on board just to describe their experiences. So if this talks to you, stay tuned. Otherwise, I will see you at the next podcast. Thanks for listening. And just a quick aside, unfortunately, as much as I tried to clean up the content, the audio quality didn't quite kick in as good as it should. So apologies in advance for that. Hi, everyone. I'm Mark Retorto. And I'm Christina Retorto. And together we are the Retorto family. <laughs> yes, uh, we are a family of authors. Uh, Christina's only 11. And I'm her father, Mark. And together we have produced a total of how many books have we written, Christina? I got two. Five books. Yes, we got five published books available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. And we also have, Christina's got two audio books. I got one audio book and I got another one in production. So, Christina. Yes. 
Tell everybody, how did you get into writing? What me what inspired you to become an author? I always liked writing when I was younger, but I never really like thought I would actually publish my books. But then one day, uh, we heard about the idea of self-publishing, and so we decided to self-publish my first book. Mm. And what was the name of your first book? Survivor. Uh, what's I Am a Survivor about? So, uh, there's this girl, and she has uh, cancer, so in the book she has to, like, get through, like, a lot of problems with, like, her cancer, and along with that she gets bullied, so she has to try to get through it. Oh, sounds like a very nice, inspiring story, because at the end, she beats cancer, right? And she also wins the hearts of the bullies in the school, right? Because that's yeah. what the book's also about. It's also about dealing with bullies, unfortunately, for the poor girl. Now, what's your second book called? <laughs> now, how did you come up with this, the idea for Invisible Girl? So, like, I was a little bit always shy a little bit. So, uh, I tried, and I did like because like whenever like in school it always called me get ignored because I was so quiet and so um I kind of just like decided to like put my feelings into a story and turn it into a fictional story mm. and what's the name of the character in your book Elizabeth but she prefers to be called Lizzie Lizzie now how did you develop the character for Lizzie is it, did uh, she's based solely on you? No. Not really? No. Her personality is a mixture of of, of who? Someone you know or like someone you want? Oh, of people you know. Yeah. And the same thing with the other characters in the book. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Now, now that book's been out for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's currently also available in, oh, that's actually your second audiobook. Your first one, Invisible, I Am a Survivor, was also put in audiobook. Yeah. And Invisible Girl is now an audiobook. Yeah. Now, what I find that's pretty interesting, Christina, is that you thought well ahead. Hmm? Well ahead. Yeah. Well, not only has she produced one book from Invisible Girl, she actually turned it, you turned it into a series yeah. called the Invisible Girl series. Now, I in fact, your current book is the second book in the series, right? Yeah. What's the name of that book? A Little Bit Louder. A Little Bit Louder. Now, what's going on with A Little Bit Louder? It's got the same characters in there, right? Yes. Or is there any new characters in the book? A couple. A couple of new characters? Yeah. So what's the idea of that book? Well, as Lizzie's getting older, she has to face more problems. And on top of that, she has to do with, like, drama at home. So she tried, she has to like try to get through that and her own problems and be more independent with herself. Oh, sounds interesting. Yeah. Now where do you see the character going? Because I'm assuming there's going to be a third book, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Are you thinking it's going to be a third and a fourth book or just the third and that's it, the final? I don't know yet. You don't know yet? No. Uh, so what do you think, what do you think is going to happen with the, the character in the new book? Well, as she gets older, she's probably going to have to, like, deal with a lot more problems. Uh, as you get older, actually. As you get older, you usually, like, have to, like, discover new things about yourself and learn how to do more things that can be challenging. Mm. Now, would you say that your book 
is geared for little kids or older kids? Like what age group? most about being an author? Uh, at school, we always have to, like, whenever we're doing writing assignments, there's always, like, a teaching activity based off, like, like, what genre they want it to be, how long it should be, and, like, I don't like that because I like doing my own writing. Uh, and, Christina, you're only 11 now. Yeah. So how many books do you plan to put out? As much uh, as you want, or yeah. do you, or do you have like a certain number that you have in your head? As much as I want to. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. When did you decide to publish your book, The hmm. Cabal? Well, I actually published, started writing the book, The Cabal, about ten years ago. And I kind of forgot about it. But when I helped you publish your book, I Am Survivor, I was actually inspired and decided to finish it and publish it myself. Do you find that like, being is like running a business? Uh, yes. If you want your books to sell outside family and friends, you have to market your book using social media and market yourself and the books as a brand. Well, everyone in the family, well, right now there's only two of us. <laughs> we got other family members, but they haven't finished writing their books yet. We both write books, but I handle the publishing and the marketing aspect of our books. So just finding... Huh? Yes, I do. You find it boring. Christina finds it boring. Uh, I find it um, a necessary evil. It's kind of annoying, but it has to get done. Um, so that's how I handle it. So what is the cabal? What is the cabal? Uh, the cabal. Now, the cabal of begins was my first book that I ever published. It's basically about a Washington, D.C. detective called John Esposito. And he learns that his childhood friend, who just also happens to be the U.S. senator, has been murdered. And in his quest to get justice for his friend's death, he encounters people that will change his life forever. And he discovered that their lives were all impacted by the same organization that was responsible for his friend's death, called the Cabal. And they also discovered that the Cabal has an international ter uh, terrorist plan. And at the end of the day, they work together and stop the Cabal from executing the terrorist plans. It has all the ingredients needed for great action, thriller, suspense, and adventure book. If you like action, suspense, and conspiracy series, along with vigilante justice and action heroes, then this book is for you. It's a great read for adults and young adults that love action and adventure novels. Um, are there any other family members that have the book? Well, we're looking to see if our, my second oldest daughter, Julia, finish her book. She's currently, she wrote one book, but she didn't like it, so she's writing another one. Any other books? Well, I actually just finished my second novel, 
called Marcus the Vampire. And it's the first book in a brand new series that I'm planning to put out called The Dark World Chronicles. It's basically about a young average man during the era of World War II who just happens to be a gypsy and he gets captured and imprisoned in a Nazi training camp. And through the powers of magic that his grandmother possessed, she saves him by turning him into a vampire. Unfortunately, most of his family members are dead because of the result of the uh, concentration camp. And the only one left is his daughter. So his only goal in life is to protect his daughter from not only the Nazi soldiers, but from the other members of the Dark World, such as witches, vampires, and werewolves. And pretty much right now, that's the only book. I'm, I'm also working on a sequel to The Cabal. Um, that should have a very interesting twat, uh, plot, I mean. Um, it's going to have like a lot of action in it. And it's going to also have a little bit of a sci-fi put into it. It's going to be a very unique story. And then after that, I will work on the sequel, um, the second book in the Dark World Chronicles. But uh, what I find interesting is that uh, each book that I write, I kind of base on what's going on in my life. Um, uh, the first book was basically based on a situation I had going on with my friend who was dying with cancer. So I kind of analogized what he was going with cancer by trying to solve a murder. And then in the second book, I was trying to deal with uh, my inability to uh, do jiu-jitsu because I was injured severely. So, in this case, Marcus was giving up pretty much his life and his family, which is kind of like what kind of like jiu-jitsu fell for me. And he was dealing with that, and that's what I was dealing with at my time. And I find it kind of enjoyable because it helped, helped me deal with the things that were going on with my life. And uh, I actually turned out I liked it. And, uh, you know, that was pretty much it. And then uh, I also went into podcasting. I actually have my own MMA podcast called Mark the Shark MMA Show. Um, I put out new episodes every um, Friday and Sunday. And then I also even have my own live television show that streams on Twitch. You can listen, watch me on twitch.tv slash Mark the Shark MMA Show. Um, and pretty much what I do there is I do recaps of fights as well as interview other MMA fighters. And um, it's kind of correlates with the podcast. Sometimes the material is, the material is reused in podcast form. Sometimes it's not. And uh, Christina, where yeah. can people find our books? Uh, you can get them on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. They're also on our website. Mm. And where can people only get the hardcover copies of our books? They're only available on our website. That's right. Now, for everybody out there who's listening to this, um, um, the Marcus the Vampire is currently in production for the audiobook. And then we're going to start again with Christina's second book a little bit louder. So be on the lookout for that. And if you go to RetoyalFamilyBooks.com and you subscribe to our email list, we will give you Christina's first book in ebook format called I Am the Survivor Free. So sign up and check up. Uh, on our email list and what we do is we send out a monthly newsletter as to what's going on with our lives and when our new books will come out 
Um, and then if you go to my podcast website and you sign up for my email list there, you will get promo codes to get discounts on anything from health products to owning your own website to MMA and BJJ equipment. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our little chat here with the Retorto family. Um, and that's it. Bye. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If so, rate it from the place you downloaded it. For any questions, send an email to michaelpulser at gmail.com.